Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew and joining me as always... I'm Maveen Cora. Good to see you again, Maveen. We're recording this episode in the same room as we always do. Yeah, for sure. Episode four, so... Uh in in your in your uh, business room or the dungeon or whatever yep. you want to call it, the lab, the lab. Yeah, I like I th- that. I think that's a good one. How are you doing, Movie? I'm doing very well. I got my uh, tea with me, David, and uh, I'm ready to record another episode with you and uh, just really delve into our uh, topic when, whenever we're ready. Good to hear. Well, it's a beautiful rainy fall day in Calgary. Those words often don't go together. So I just thought I would acknowledge that. So as we record this, it's kind of a nice day outside. Today we're talking about pharmaceuticals. Pretty deep, pretty charged topic, I would think. Yeah, it's uh, it is something that's uh, more and more in the news. Uh, more and more, you know, it, it comes up as uh, kids are going to school. Uh, they're they're able to get their hands on uh, pharmaceuticals more and more, mm. and the industry industry itself is making billions of dollars. So uh, definitely, you know, when I when I brought this to you, I thought it'd be something that both of us could uh, talk about, and we'd both enjoy. Yeah, I think so too. There's so much to talk about, so it's hard to know exactly where to start when it comes to pharmaceuticals. Obviously, we want to talk about prescription drugs. That's probably one of the main subjects, but we might also get into things like vitamins or other things that may not be considered necessarily pharmaceuticals in the traditional sense, like over-the-counter drugs and things like that, too. I mean, pretty much anything that you can buy in the store could be considered a prescription drug on some level, I think, whether it's like Tylenol or ibuprofen or whatever. Anything that is a drug contains often contains some kind of chemical that may not be great for your body. And I think so many people now are prescribed medications because maybe they have an issue, a perceived issue with anxiety, depression, or some other clinical condition, or they've just self-diagnosed themselves and they believe that they deserve to have those drugs. And if you watch the commercials, especially in the States, it seems like at every turn they're trying to sell you some kind of drug. Absolutely. Uh, every, you know, if you've stayed up any late night uh, TV, we'll, you know, you'll have the ability to watch these infomercials slash commercials uh, where they try to sell you, you know, any sort of drug that will help uh, the solution that you're looking for, right? So you're looking for some sort of pain solution, they got it. You're looking for some sort of happiness solution, they have it. Right. You know, any sort of uppers and downers and, and whatnot, the, the pharmaceutical companies have found a way to, you know, make it and then sell it to you. So what do you think that is? I mean, if somebody's selling something through commercial, it would suggest that they're probably making money on it, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, uh, David. I think one of the biggest things is I think we as a people, um, I think we do have a addictive personalities, hmm. uh, you know, and drugs like sugar, for example, can be addictive. You know, heroin at one point was addictive and now they I've read studies where they say sugar is potentially more addictive than heroin, hmm. right? So uh, when you look into pharmaceuticals, they probably have a very similar... Uh, feel for when you're taking taking them on a daily basis just like you know those hard drugs uh, yeah. of that uh, our, our uh, commercials told us to stay away from in, in the 80s 
Right. Now, the thing you said about sugar is pretty interesting because we wouldn't often think of sugar as being some kind of drug (laughs) or let alone like a pharmaceutical, right? But I think everybody knows or everybody's heard of the term sugar high. So we do kind of get high off of sugar. It gives you that temporary boost of energy, but then that really hard crash as well. Well, it's true, David. And also, you know, when they do uh, double blind tests or blind tests or whatnot, they always have a placebo. And what is that placebo? Sugar pill. It's a sugar pill. You got it. So they're always even using that sugar as a part of their of their test. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. So sugar pills are some things that sometimes prescribed, usually unknowingly to the patient, maybe because they think their sickness is more severe than it actually is. And the doctor prescribes a placebo and says, hey, this will help you out. And then the mind accepts that the drug will help out and, and it ends up helping. So I think there are some studies out there backing that up, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, for sure. You know, I haven't read every... Uh American Journal on Medicine and whatnot for you know prescriptions, but uh, there are tons of different studies that they've done since they've started you know making these prescription medicines um, and since people have been taking them, right? Um, it's funny, more and more I think people are taking prescription medicines yeah. than ever before, um, and, and and recently I think I read numbers where you know harder drugs like marijuana and you know cocaine and stuff like that were actually dropping at one point. So who is selling these prescription drugs? Because I think the, 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 the idea or I think the impression that we get, it's generally like the healthcare industry or it's the doctors or on some level, it, it's to our best interest that these things are being sold to us. But who do you think is actually selling prescription drugs to us? Well, I think you have to go back one first and say, why are you even taking prescription drugs? You know, Hmm. I think most of the times people start taking these, you know, painkillers because they need them. And I mean, sometimes you do need something to take, you know, that pain away, especially if you've been in a car accident or, you know, you've gone through some sort of traumatic surgery or something like that. You need, you know, you, the doctors will typically give you something. So, you know, you did say doctor, doctors, and I do think the doctors do give them to you, right? I think initially they started off with the right intentions, you know, trying to help you ease that pain uh, as you're as you're recovering, you know, from whatever your symptoms were. Uh, as we've moved forward, I do believe, you know, more and more, you know, we were talking about late night commercials. Uh, Chris <laughs> Rock uh, had a wonderful skit years and years ago now, um, but he, he made point of it and, and made fun of it at the same time, but saying, you know, the commercials went something like this. Hey, uh, are you sad? Are you happy? And maybe you would relate and say, well, maybe I am sad. Maybe I am happy. Or <laughs> are you male? Or are you female? Say, well, I'm male. I'm happy. Say, maybe this drug is for me, right? And, and they'd continue right. to try to find that one symptom that you could relate to and say, well, I need that pill, right? That's like a sales technique, isn't it? Like where you get somebody to say yes a bunch of times and then they're more likely to say yes when you go to close the sale. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, that That's true. But when I usually recognize it when people are doing that. So when they're looking for a yes at the very end when they're trying to sell me the product and they hear a no, they go, they 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 taken aback. They don't know what just happened. <laughs> and the thing is, I've recognized your sales technique. I know how that works. 
Well, exactly right. I mean, the doctors are trying to make money. They're salesmen as well. They're they're supposed to be there to help you. And I do believe there's a small percent of jo- of doctors out there that are really trying to take care of the general public. You know, these doctors I think may have gone all overseas, unfortunately, and I guess fortunately to help all the uh, you know doctors yeah. without borders kind of thing. They're all helping people overseas, trying to get them better. Uh, but then that just leaves us doctors, and, and again, we're talking about North America. Uh, ourselves here but a lot of this uh, in you know the industry here is really based on money yes definitely and i think the interesting point that you made earlier was that some people kind of need the prescription drugs whether it's because of pain or in some cases there aren't many of them but some people have like a serotonin deficiency and that's kind of the pleasure chemical in your brain so when you don't have enough of that you are depressed. And so that would actually be a definition for clinical depression. But whereas most people will experience depression in their lifetime at some point or another, circumstantial depression, or maybe just like you're, you you experience lows and highs and you're really sensitive like I am. I experience like tremendous lows and tremendous highs. I do kind of find my point of stability. I've had to find that over the years. If you want to kind of function as a part of society but oh you're right you're right yeah so it's interesting and i think i want i do want to come back to this this money thing like somebody is obviously making money on on these prescription drugs i mean the best kind of business is one where people pay you month after month after month to refill their supply really telecom companies kind of work the same way so i mean i'm not disparaging businesses that do that i think it's actually a great business model when it works properly and you're offering value to your clients but i i feel like there's nothing more desirable for maybe doctors or maybe the healthcare industry or maybe the people who are selling these drugs to have people go on a subscription plan of some kind uh for sure david and even having the ethics behind what you're doing right so i mean if you look at doctors they can be really compared to you know the typical drug dealer you know, what <laughs> is what's the real difference you know they're both uh charging you uh, money for a product you know they're all being given this product or buying this product uh from a different supplier one being the you know the perhaps the drug lords in, in you know, some of these South, uh, South American countries, or maybe is for the doctors, you know, they're being supplied this uh, medicine from, you know, just the pharmaceutical companies themselves, you know, and I put medicine uh, when I said that in quotation again, right? Now, a lot of times we did say the medicine is helpful, but again, with any sort of medicine, what happens there are side effects. Yeah. So they put you on a, a second medication to deal with the side effects. And now that medication also may have a side effect. So they get you on a third medication to have, you know, to, to help you with your symptoms. So aren't they really just multiplying their income? Well, they're multiplying their income. They're keeping you sick and, uh, they are just, you know, they're keeping you, under their grip realistically right so uh month after month either you know your insurance company's paying this out so you know these pharmaceutical companies are being paid by the insurance companies but to keep you drugged up you know in the big picture yeah and i think you're right when you say that there are good doctors in this world you know we also have things like natural paths that offer solutions that you may not be presented with at 
the doctor's office. I think emergency care is absolutely needed. To me, that part is not in question at all. But part of it is education. So how are doctors trained as they go through school? And I think it's become so procedurized to where, oh, what do you prescribe this person if they come in with this particular illness, antibiotics, they're trained to automatically think of the drug that's going to quote unquote, solve the situation. When in reality, maybe it's just causing more side effects, more problems, more ancillary kind of things that are going to make that person maybe not worse. But we think of like on antibiotics and the consequences of using them, they become less effective over time. So it seems like this, this whole, you know, cookie cutter training that doctors go through isn't actually to our benefit. No, you're hundred percent right, David. And even one of the things you just said, you know, you, you take an antibiotic and it's supposed to help cure one symptom. And, but you know, anything that you put into your body, uh, once you take that, ingest it, and now that let's say that antibiotic, uh, antibiotic is supposed to help you with a lung infection, but your body, although maybe healed from that lung lung infection, another part of your body doesn't want that pill inside of it, hmm. so will fight that you know that that drug that you've ingested to fight that lung infection and uh, you know for example like your liver because it's got to detox your whole body and your kidneys got to detox as well right so there are other parts of your bodies that can be hurt while you're trying to fix something else yeah and that's not great and in addition to medical doctors we also have to think of another category of doctors which is psychiatrists <laughs> i i believe fully in psychology or counselors or people who can provide you with tools to help you. I don't know that psychiatry is rooted. I, I respect the profession. I don't know if it's rooted in the same intentions. In other words, they, I think it's called their DMT eight. They look in the book, they find out what the, or they kind of make an assessment of what the condition is. And then they prescribe a drug to that person, whether it's depression, anxiety, or bipolar disorder or something like that. Sometimes it's absolutely justified and that person may not be able to function normally without the drug. But I think there's also this tendency or this proclivity to give away all of these drugs to people that are self-prescribed and may not necessarily need them. They're just maybe going through a difficult time or they just think they're convinced that there's something wrong with them and that's their out or that's their excuse. Yeah, no, you're right, David. One of the things that you made me think about was when you said, you know, they open up a book and they, they find that is what lawyers do too, right? I mean, they have True. all these cases that have been fought and won all over, you know, let's say Canada or United States or anywhere else in the world. And they can always go back to that one case and say, you know, this is how it's similar. So the outcome of that case could also be similar in, in our own case. So there's ways that they can go back and look at the same thing and look for patterns, right? And, and you're right with psychiatrists, you know, th their goal is to help the person adjust, right? So if it means to have to give them drugs to be happier or get over something, you know, perhaps a death or or, or uh, something, you know, um, some sort of abuse, they'll give that drug to them to help maybe numb the pain or, mm. or help them, you know, feel happier when they're depressed, you know, but overall, if you're not really, you know, the big picture, if you're not really dealing with your own 
the death or the not your own death but but the death or or the abuse in your own ways you know those drugs all they really do is mask that over for a long period of time it masks the symptom and doesn't totally heal it that's right right another thing that i find pretty fascinating and i think it is related in a way is this whole thing about prostate checks which for for men right so there are now studies showing that this is actually pretty controversial and may not think the way may not work the way we think it does because we say oh check now prevent early find out now whether or not you have prostate cancer but we know that from birth we have cancer in our bodies and prostate cancer is something that we always have just in different levels or so i've heard (laughs) and you're not a doctor are you no i'm definitely not a doctor (laughs) but i think what studies are now showing is that this whole thing of checking for prostate cancer increases your chances of having prostate cancer, you which know, is bizarre. You know, and, and and I and I like that example because it makes me think. Uh, when you know, let's say you're you're feeling a little sick to your, you know, you're feeling a little sick. You go to work, and uh, you know, you go in and you tell one person, and you say, you know what, I'm kind of feeling a little feverish right. today, and then everybody eventually will say, oh man, you're feeling a little feverish today. Even if you don't even have a cold, you can tell somebody that, and the more people keep saying that to you, you'll start believing it, and eventually you'll actually start feeling feverish. Yeah. I think there's sort of like a, a name or a term for this whole phenomenon where medical students will be reading about or learning about a particular sickness, and they themselves will begin to feel <laughs> those symptoms. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so I, I don't know, like th- that speaks to me to the power of the mind because we can convince ourselves into believing a lot of different things, whether it's that we need drugs or we don't need drugs or we've been treated unfairly or we have a disadvantage to anybody else that's on planet Earth, so then we adopt this victim mentality. It's pretty amazing the ways in which we kind of use and abuse or even negate our own power. You know, you're 100% right again, David. I mean, you've made some really good points. Um, one of the things that, you know, when when you're not using your own power, um, you know, you're letting other people decide what you know, you're going to digest or ingest, uh, you know. So if we go back to, you know, the 30s and 40s, me and you weren't around, but our parents were around at that time, potentially, or at least grandparents were around, uh, you know, and, and the doctors then, I don't know if they were any different than the doctors they are now, you know, although the, the medicine is a lot different and the, and the pharmaceuticals are much different, but this whole, you know, Canada and the United States were built partly on you know, the misery of people taking pharmaceuticals, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Another really, I feel like an interconnected industry to this whole thing of pharmaceuticals is food. Because people are saying, okay, well, you'd have to eat more food to get the equivalent of the nutrients you used to be able to get. And that might be because of the synthetic foods or the non-natural sources that we now derive some foods from it could also just be the fact of our eating habits where we go to fast food or we go a bag of chips and like there's very as we know there's so little nutritional value i mean i i think that's not necessarily taught in school sometimes well i don't think chips made the uh food group did it no my dad used to joke the styrofoam food group (laughs) (laughs) 
It's true. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yeah, so you could have a, but the the whole food group thing is another thing to, I guess we kind of went into that before, but it's another thing to kind of, that's funny to me because it was paid for by the Dairy Association. So you think they might have a vested interest in having dairy as a category, as an important part of your nutritional plan? I certainly do, but I'll leave that to, to your judgment. <clears throat> the thing about you know the connection between food and pharmaceuticals is if you're not getting the nutrients you need, if you're not healthy, if you're just not getting enough vitamin D or the sun or whatever else, you can now quote unquote supplement. I think in general, vitamins and supplements are a good thing, but there's also not so good ones, which depends on the chemicals they're made out of, or if they're just really cheap vitamins, oftentimes they're made out of like oil, right? Absolutely, David. And, you know, it makes me think again of what we used to hear growing up, you know, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. (laughs) You know, I think we all grew up kind of hearing that and hearing that vitamin C can be found in oranges at the highest concentration. Again, I think all those foods are paid for. And, and those industries are paying the doctors to say these things and paying the nutritionists to say these things. So we as a, as a nation keep consuming them. But, you know, you made a good point. We're growing these apples or any sort of, sort of food. We're growing them, but we continually grow them in the same soil we've been growing them in for years. And, right. you know, for most parts, I believe we've probably taken most of the nutritional value out of that soil. You know, um, so the apple we used to eat 20 years ago is definitely not the same apple we eat today. You know, so yeah, they they need us to supplement with vitamins, you know, that are, like you said, synthetically produced in in labs. You know, uh, and in that lab, how do you know what you're really getting? You know, take a vitamin every day. Isn't that the same idea as taking a pharmaceutical every day? You know, I know when I take a vitamin and then a couple of days later, or not a couple of days, a couple of hours later, when I got to go to the bathroom and uh, take a pee, it is bright yellow. Well, I've just peed out most of the vitamins I just ingested. Yeah. You've actually brought another important point to the fore and made me think of another source that's interconnected with the health industry, which is media. What is the media saying about food? What is it saying about supplements? If you say if you answer nothing, then you clearly aren't watching carefully enough because probably we as we described earlier, there's so many commercials where they talk about specific pharmaceutical drugs for specific conditions. But every day in the newspaper people go oh but they found out like coffee's not healthy for you anymore and next year it's like oh but they found out coffee is healthy for you now and people just repeat things that they hear or see in the newspaper and think they're being smart when in reality you know we've been flip-flopping on these issues if you pay careful attention to what's going on we've been flip-flopping on these issues forever and i don't think anybody is going to 100 ever agree on what's healthy what's not healthy and i i would say just shut that out get rid of it stop listening to that crap because it's utter nonsense i agree you know i've heard if the low-fat diet 
the no fat diet, the low carb <laughs> diet, the high carb diet, you know, all sorts of different diets, the protein, no protein. Uh, you know, it comes down to what you feel is right for your body. Everybody's body type is different. You know, there's different uh, diets that include the blood type diet. You know, there's the Atkins and we can go on and on and yeah. all the different fads that have come. And again, these are all about making money in the, in the big picture as well, just like the pharmaceutical industry is. It's all about making money and getting you hooked to believing something that it'll continually work for you, right? Um, I'm, I'm sure I fell a victim to all that as well, right? Eat a high-carb diet or high, you know, who doesn't want a bowl of pasta prote- every day? <laughs> high protein, high vegetables, whatever. Yeah, and, I, and I've, we've all fallen for that, you know, And but just finding that right diet for you works for you, right? So uh, let's go and go and kind of back into pharmaceuticals for a second. Have you uh, had, what's your, I guess, uh, experience with pharmaceuticals? I've never been prescribed any drugs, nor have I ever taken any prescription drugs. I even had a period where I went through an anxiety disorder. It's still not like completely 100% healed. I don't know that it ever is, but it's like more than manageable to where I'm very high functioning, or you could say, I mean, I don't even like the term high functioning. I'm functioning. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, There's, there are different reasons why I might have anxiety and that could also be rooted partly in the media in the lies we live in in the way we perceive how others view us and and how what we think others expectations are for us and when you really examine that you find out that people don't really have a lot of plans for you you should probably make your own plans for life but yeah i don't i haven't ever taken prescription drugs but i have taken drugs for example for headaches right? Ibuprofen, Advil, Tylenol, I've probably taken them all or whatever drugs that I got at the doctors when I was still a kid uh, in Japan, because that's usually where we would have had a flu or influenza or cold or whatever else that we would have might have been suffering with. So I do remember taking that kind of stuff. How about you? Uh, you know, David, as we grow up, you know, we, we are subjected to, I think, drugs that we don't even realize we're taking. True. Uh, you know, when you're getting your shots as a kid, you know, and that's another big thing right I now. I was just too, thinking that right? now, so yeah. A lot of people say, you know, should I give my little child a shot? Should I not give him anything? You know, uh, we don't know what's in it, you know. And stuff like that. So there is a place for, you know, these kind of pharmaceuticals. They did cure polio. So, you know what I mean? But in in some instances, I believe I've heard even that's come back in certain places. Right. So it's not necessarily always going to be cured. It can be genetically mutated and and come back as a different form. But going back to my personal experience, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, getting my shots in school, you were getting them in school. You know, that's where the pharmaceutical companies were Mm. first getting to you, you know. And then when you were sick, uh, if, if you were sick as a kid, you know, you're right. Your mom would maybe give you, go to the doctor. They'd get you some sort of antibiotic or a penicillin. Yep. Uh, you know, I don't know if you remember or not. You said you haven't, but they used to give you this banana-flavored syrup uh, when you were a kid and when you were sick too, right? And you would take that. Yeah, and that was that actually. antibiotic. <laughs> you remember, right? Yeah. So even though you think you haven't taken it, you've taken them, right? And, you know, growing up and going into high school and whatnot, you know, you'd get a headache and your buddy you know, had a bunch of Tylenols and, or ibuprofen in this situation, I guess we can't use certain names potentially, but you know, he did have that ibuprofen and you'd ask for one or two. And then one time I actually popped 23 just to get, see what Whoa. happens. 
<laughs> to be you know and, and and not that it was good and i never recommend anybody do that <laughs> yeah. but you know what happened to me was my liver hurt and i don't know if anybody's felt their oh. liver hurt that it hurt and i had to drink a tons of water and you know flush it out and flush it out and and uh you know i wasn't like uh going to the hospital or anything but it was crazy and then you know growing up and taking my vitamins which is really is an over-the-counter pharmaceutical you know manufactured and uh taking those every day or at the time and uh, even through the network uh, marketing business that Mm. we were in you know vitamins were one of the things that they told us to you know to buy because it, it provided a high business volume and a point volume towards your business so you know even that to me is pushing uh, it's like a drug pusher, you know, buy this because it gives you this, you know, and, and now even where I am right now, you know, about 20, 2004, uh, I was actually diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And mm. at that point, you know, uh, it's something that you do need to get treated with uh, drugs and pharmaceuticals because there is no real, from what I've read, there's nothing known on why it causes it and there's no known cure for it, but there other are than, pills you can take. Other than diet, I guess. You know, the biggest thing I found was absolutely diet and meditation and just really understanding what caused my stress. Uh, that was part of it. But being on that medication for, I think, almost five years and then... Once I was on it, I realized, you know, why am I on stuff like prednisone and Imuran? You know, those are the things that are keeping my symptoms at bay. How would I ever know if I'm actually cured until I stop taking it? So going to my doctor and saying, hey, I want to get off of this stuff. And even the doctor at the time was saying, well, we don't really want you to get off this stuff because we don't know if you'll have a relapse. They always say that, yeah. Right, and... For me, I really wanted to know, was I cured? You know, was all the things I was doing outside of the medication really working? You know, once I got off that medication, here is an interesting thing the doctor told me, that I had enough medicine in me, or I'll put that in quotations, uh, to last in my system for nine months. Hmm. So I had been taking the stuff for five years and now there was my body to absorb so much. I had nine months worth of, of medicine in me. So even if I got off of it, I would still continually get the same effects of that medicine. Does the body ever truly get rid of what goes into it? That's a good question. I think you should answer that. <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I, I've talked to nutritionists that say, you know, once they, uh, you know, once someone dies and they take them to the morgue or whatever and they cut them open, they will see things like, you know, undigested vitamins in their bodies and things like that. I don't know if that's 100% of the case all the time, but sometimes they do find that and maybe, you know, even vitamins or drugs don't necessarily have the effects that we would, the desired outcome that we are actually looking for from them. The other thing you mentioned about shots, I think that's a highly controversial subject. And definitely I did get shots growing up and I remember that now. I was just recalling it as you were about to mention it. So <laughs> that's, that's kind of a fun thing. I, I generally don't agree with getting shots. I know people that get shots for, you know, flu shots every single year. And some of them still get the flu, which tells me, I, I, first of all, I don't know about its effectiveness. But second of all, there's people that die from shots every year. I mean, people die from a lot of things. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they die from asphyxiation. They die from car crashes. They die from a variety of different things. But, you know, there's, there's documented cases of people dying from getting these vaccines as well. 
So well, and and people are overdosing on pharmaceuticals all the time as well, right? Not mm. just uh, vaccines. The interesting thing about vaccines, like you were saying, is that although you get that flu shot, it doesn't necessarily mean you've got the shot for the right strain. You know, the the, the flu or the virus itself will mutate as well, right? Just like uh, a cancer cell does. Well, and what's what else is in there? You know, who who are you trusting your body with? That's a huge question, I think, ultimately, when it comes to vaccines. Yeah, ultimately, I think you're trusting the doctors, the pharmaceutical companies, and potentially the government yeah. that allows them, you know, th- that gives them the money to maybe and funds them on finding the cure, you know. Um, we kind of live in scary times, you know, it's sort of like the beginning of the end because pretty soon everybody's personal data will be in the cloud if it isn't already. <laughs> and now we're going to have, you know, chips implanted in our right hand and things like this. Like, yeah, we're kind of years away from this happening, but it's also something that's been predicted in various fictional works as well as the Bible. I can't tell you whether or not the Bible is fictional or nonfiction, but <laughs> it's a book. It's out there. It's one of the highest selling books of all time. Surprise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think what you're talking about, the chip in the finger or in the hand, is I think it's called the mark of the beast. Yes, it know, is and, in the Bible. Yeah, yeah and uh, that, you know, potentially we are on the way there. I think I did read a st- uh, read an article one time that someone in Europe had actually gotten that after uh, 9-11, I believe it was. Yeah, something um, like that. So, I mean, there are people out there who are moving the agenda forward. And, you know, pharmaceutical is just, I think, part of that agenda, whatever that agenda may be. Yeah, and that agenda seems to encompass the various industries we talked about. It's like healthcare, it's pharmaceuticals, it's media, and potentially even government or other people that are in power that, you know, I don't want to make too many allusions to potentially the Illuminati or cults or a quote-unquote higher power here on Earth, but we don't really know, do we? Like, because we don't look into these things on a daily basis. We don't think about them, and we don't, if we're getting shots, then probably we don't care. We just trust our healthcare providers to give us the service that we're trusting them to give, which I don't, I'm not convinced they are. No, you know, David, you, you made a great point. If I was about to give you a quote right now and I said this quote was by Plato, have you read all the works by Plato? I have not. No, but if I tell you the quotes by Plato, didn't I just lend credibility to myself? I, you probably did. Right? And you trust me, don't you? Yeah. So if I tell you that quote, you'll be like, yeah, you know what? That That's a great quote by Plato. <laughs> just like if you trust your doctor because that doctor has your best intentions for you. You know, uh, don't worry, take this medicine. I just got some in from the guy, my supplier who brought it in because, you know, he happened to be making his tours. But you take it because you're like, hey, the doctor gave it to me because your parents told you to trust the doctor. Well, and who are the suppliers? Are they also in lab coats like like doctors are? Are they in sterilized environments? Or are they just dirty guys in a warehouse? You know what I mean? Like, forgive the, the, the term or the way I said it, but, you know, it could be just these guys, random guys, sweaty guys in a warehouse packing it all in and shipping it all out, right? Absolutely. And you know what's funny? You said media earlier and just to the point you just made. um, With that, you know, there are people that are even on places like Craigslist, you know, potentially on there and just selling pharmaceuticals because it's easy to list what you're selling realistically anywhere. I can tweet it if I wanted to. I can Mm. put it on my Facebook, say, hey, does anybody have this medication? My leg hurts or whatever, right? And any excuse will do when you're looking for drugs right just like any excuse will do for a 
crack addict or a heroin fiend or or any sort of uh, drug that you're addicted to. Well, that's a whole conversation about endorsements as well. And I think it's one way to use your power is to endorse the right things. Well, I'll definitely have to get into that at some point. But you're absolutely right. You know, you see celebrities on Twitter endorsing certain products and they get paid every time that happens. You know, do I look at that and go, they shouldn't do that? No, but I don't have any celebrities in my feed either. (laughs) <laughs> That's a great point. And, you know, it's all about mind control, in my opinion, right? With the celebrities, you know, constantly telling you what to do, how to think, telling you about the stuff they're using. You yeah. know, myself, I, I enjoy rap music. I don't listen to it as much as I uh, I would love to or much as I used to. Um, you know, I like to stick to some of the older stuff versus some of the newer stuff because I'm not really into the, some of this drugs that some of these kids are doing these days. You know, uh, Molly. I uh, don't really care, you know, uh, smoking lots and lots of weed, not really into that, you know, back in high school, everybody tried it, I still do every so often, not going to lie to you, you know, but it's not something I'm doing. But even with that said, with all the government control now on marijuana, how much of that is actually being changed? You know, how many different things are they changing in the strain itself? Because Nowadays, there's hmm. probably hundreds of different strains I've never even heard of. You know, how is, how is that affecting you? Yeah, I, I mean, to an extent, I don't think the government cares that much about legalizing or non-legalizing as long as people use, quote-unquote, responsibly, whatever that means. <laughs> not not uh, smoking and driving or not smoking and, and going to, uh, you know, going for a walk or whatever the case might be. Yeah, I just I think it's just one of those things that they would love to leave as a perpetual debate going back and forth because I don't I don't know that they could care that much because it could be a potential source of profit. It is definitely a huge percent, uh, potential for profit. You know, uh, some of the other non-pharmaceuticals that come to my mind are cigarettes. And oh, yeah. What about alcohol? You know, it's probably the same companies who have a very similar vested interest in pharmaceuticals because, you know, they keep you addicted, right? Just like a cigarette is an addiction. So do you want to get off smoking? So now they have this thing called vaping. And now with vaping, there's so many different ways you can vape and different flavors. Right. You know, I've had friends who vape and they're like, hey, give this a try. I've tried it, seeing what it's all about. And I just can't understand it. It's like all I'm doing is breathing in flavored air. You know, it maybe doesn't have as many uh, toxins as a cigarette does, but it's just substituting one addiction for another addiction. Well, I've secondhand vaped. <laughs> Definitely never firsthand. And it is a pleasant smell, but that's all I need. I don't really need to breathe that in, I don't think. No, and it's funny, you know, what... Uh, you don't even know what kind of um, damage you're actually doing to yourself yeah. uh, on a secondhand smoke. Uh, no, it's on true. A vape too. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, I'm not advocating secondhand smoking or secondhand vaping or secondhand, you know, breathing in drugs or whatever the case might be. I don't think that's uh, any better of an idea. I think that's President uh, Clinton. You know, he was. He, he smoked it, or no, it was Bush, I think. One of the two that had smoked, had never inhaled. Uh, I think it was but, uh, Clinton, if I remember correctly. One thing I wonder, too, I mean, I think probably most things in moderation are okay, but, you know, you see celebrities and such often uh, smoking cigars 
like celebratory occasions. Even somebody like Michael Jordan can be seen. He had a cigar room in his what ten million dollar home or whatever it was. I, I saw the video on you. I don't know if it was YouTube. It was a, anyway. It was a high def video of Michael Jordan's home because he was selling it. Amazing home. But yeah, he had a cigar room. You know, and and you make a good point. Even stuff people like Jay Z, for example, uh, you know, you can see him smoking cigars and videos uh, and whatnot too, right? It gives it that prestigious look and feel right yeah and i think that's what pharmaceutical drugs kind of can do for you when you are on them you know when you when you first start taking them like i said earlier i think you are taking them because you want to deal with some pain but as soon as that pain actually starts numbing and, and you can't even feel why you're taking the stuff anymore you know you might feel some sort of pleasure and now you want to continuously stay in that pleasure mode, right? Just like drugs do, just like cocaine does, just like marijuana does, just like smoking a cigar does, just like having a cigarette does, just like having a drink of alcohol does, right? These are all things that add dopamine to your brain and make you happier and feel so good about yourself. But as soon as that feeling goes down, what do you need more of? More of the drugs. More of your drugs. And so when you get more of your drugs, you know, you take them and you start feeling good. And then when you run out of it, what do you get? More drugs from your doctor. You get the prescription you filled. You pay for it. And you pay for it, right? So it to me, it's just a way to keep you under control through all of these different ways to keep you addicted. Totally agree. There are so many things that are controlling in this world. And I think we talked about many of them. If I can add a few, <laughs> religion, school, <laughs> those are a couple that immediately come to mind. I think the, the very things that we think free us or should free us sometimes are actually keeping us under somebody else's thumb of somebody else's idea of what values are or somebody else's idea of what mor- morals are. And I think that's kind of an unfortunate thing. But what I will say about drugs is, you know, it's an option if you're not feeling well. It's not the only thing you can turn to. If you're not feeling well, though, it might be something to to look into. Maybe you do have uh, chemical imbalance or clinical depression and it's you do need to augment your supply of serotonin. But in many cases, drugs are, are just one of many options you have to feel better whether it's exercise, diet, sleep, rest, adjusting your work schedule, taking time to enjoy life, slowing down, meditating. There's so many options and you won't see results. If, if you start today, you're not going to see results tomorrow. But if you keep doing it over time, it's like the slight edge. You begin to see the results. Absolutely, you know, and one of the things that you made me think of was how many how many people have we lost to pharmaceutical abuse? You know, over mm. the last couple of years, we've lost people like Michael Jackson, we've lost Prince, we've lost Whitney Houston, uh, we've lost lots of different uh, people, even like uh, Amy Winehouse to alcohol abuse right. and pharmaceuticals. Um, you know, actors, actresses, musicians, you know, you name it, politicians. You know, I'm sure there have been some in that. You know, I think at one point the um, the mayor of Toronto was on on drugs, and uh, same as I believe the mayor of uh, of Detroit at one point as well. You know, and these guys are people we're entrusting to run our cities. You know, and music wise, you know, and entertainment wise, where these are the people we look up to. You know, and then we find out the people we look up to are 
you know, dying from things that the doctors are giving them. You know, uh, even Michael Jackson's doctor wrote a book on on his uh, experience with prescribing medicine, <coughs> and uh, to um, Michael Jackson as well. Right. I mean, the bottom line there is nobody's safe, right? Anybody could end up addicted to some kind of drug, maybe even sugar or alcohol. We all have various vices and addictions depending on who we are and we have to recognize them for what they are it can end up being a dependency and when it becomes a dependency then it's really hard to quit or wean yourself off of maybe some something that's causing harm to yourself to your body to your relationships and other aspects of your of your life any other thoughts moving you know, just kind of uh, as we start wrapping up, David, one of the things I was thinking of, uh, the reason I brought this to you was because I just actually watched a movie called uh, Prescription Thugs mm. uh, by Chris Bell. And, you know, great movie. It kind of really gave an idea of, you know, the life of a wrestler and, and the life of, a, life of a football player. And, uh, you know, the di- things that they did to get drugs, uh, you know, because it was that high that they wanted to keep achieving, right? And they really made, made it sound very very easy to continually get pharmaceuticals, you know, from their doctors or get that prescription, right? Um, you can tell your doctor literally anything. Oh, you know, I, I feel depressed and they'll give you something for it, right? They might run a couple of tests here and there, but, you know, it's not hard to lie in tests as we know from school, you know, you can get through anything. And if you really want that certain drug, you'll find a way to get it, right? Uh, so when I was watching that movie, it really opened my eyes up to certain things that, you know, I wasn't uh, always thinking about or talking about, but, you know, I knew about. Yeah. Even even if it's just kind of on a subliminal level, you you recognize kind of the things that are happening. I totally hear that. And, and it can, can apply to so many different areas of life. Well, so that's, we're not healthcare professionals. We're not doctors. We don't have PhDs in medicine. I think, you know, some of the things we talked about are still important, but we would urge you to f- seek out professional help if you're suffering with some kind of condition, or if you just want to find out more about, you know, what's, what's good. What can I take? What should I not take? What should I avoid? Uh, Should I be on prescription medication anymore for my particular condition? Those are the kind of things that we would love for you to think about. But the decision is ultimately yours. This is how we're choosing to use our power. How will you use your power? We are using your power. Check us out online at usingyourpower.com.